where I was lucky enough to have him as a teacher and as a director. He has performed in reviews with actors like Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, and Amy Sedaris, to name just a few, and has taught hundreds of workshops around the globe. Nothing could please us more than to welcome this wonderful man to the show. So please turn up your earbuds and get ready for the one and the only David Rizowski. Hello, you two. Clapping, Hello. clapping, clapping, clapping. clapping. Well, that was really nice. That was great. We're so excited. Thank you. I had, uh, I was, one of my, it was, uh, all, the bios are just so interesting to me uh, because <laughs> it sounds like I wrote it. And um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we had notes. Two, two years ago, somebody did this great thing for my birthday two years ago. And it was, I think I was, it wasn't, I was 61. It wasn't even a big birthday. And um, one of my students did an hour and a half tribute to me. That's so sweet. It was it was sweet, and I had no idea what to do with it. I mean, it was one of the greatest things that anybody's ever done. It was like people from all over the world who's done who done workshops with me, like, and I felt like I was crying. It's on video, and I'm just like crying and crying and crying and crying. And then I, it really felt like, oh, I don't I don't need to see my my funeral. Uh, this is what it, this is what it's going to be. This is what I saw. I saw. What's that? Not the funeral, the eulogy. I don't have to watch yeah. somebody doing that eulogy. All right. Anyway, let's start this thing. We've already started. <laughs> well, that's that's a good thing we're going to get to is um, your teaching, uh, essentially, in a little bit. But we want to back that up, back that train up first. I don't know. I was pretty excited to just launch into his eulogy. I well, <laughs> I felt depressed for one second. No, it's lift you just up. Just a it's second. Like... Just a second. Just for a second. Just a quick, like... quick dip into sadness, and then you know, back no out sadness. of the pool. No sadness. No, no sadness. For a minute there, it was like, was it a little cringy watching all these people giving a tribute to you at some point at minute fifty nine? Were you like, is this going to end? This is. Well, I felt like is this keep kept going on, and and, and <laughs> the wake of the whole thing. The wake, uh, no pun intended. The wake of the whole thing was. Um, was days in day, not D-A-Z-E, but I guess through a, a couple of days, I was in a daze because it, it was so emotionally um, dra draining. Yeah. It was beautiful and it was emotionally draining because I did not like what that person saying that thing that we talked about 12 years ago. And there's somebody that I haven't worked with in six or seven years that I think about every stupid day, uh, you know, really in a great way. And it just didn't stop. Mm -hmm. and, 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 it was, it was beautiful and it was exhausting. Yeah, well, I, how beautiful it was. I want to say though that that's impactful because you impacted me and I didn't even get to take a full class with you. Just like the beginning of this and how I followed you since you know before that. Um, like I was saying though, like you do have an impact. I just had you for my orientation at one of your previous jobs, and you 
impacted me that I remember, like I'm telling you right now, like you were talking about eating whale blubber or whale meat for the, in you, for the first time. And I was like, this is the coolest man in the whole entire world. And like, I remember and that was year, that was before we met. So this was like 15 years ago when I was at Second City. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. Yeah, it was, it, it, that orientation was one thing that I looked forward to at, because a couple of times a year, two or three times a year. And I look forward to it every single time because I'm like, I am, that's the time when you're on the shoulders of greatness. Because everything that I was passing on to you, I had gotten from all the teachers that I had worked with, all the improvisers that I had worked with, all the directors that I had worked with. And it just comes flowing through you. I don't know if you know um, uh, uh, Joey Soloway. Uh, Joey and, uh, and their sister, uh, Faith. No. They're, uh, Joey. Joey now. Uh, they're Joey. Joey and Joey. their sister, uh, uh, and their sister Faith, um, oh. came up with the um, the real life Brady Bunch. They came up with the show, yep. uh, the um, Amazon show Transparent. They were on my podcast, ADD Comedy, with uh, with Dave Rosensky. And what they said, what Joey said, was really cool. They said. I don't come up with any of these things. I and I know this is kind of so woo-woo, but it's not really. They said, I'm the conduit. I'm the tube through which this 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 flows. My creativity and my energy and all this. And when you when you start thinking in that way, or you live your life in that way, you're really just aware of like the energy that's going around. I'm saying so woo-woo on this, but the energy that's going around and 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 how inspiring everything can be from you and how magic it is because you have nothing to do with it other than getting the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Which is so interesting. And I and I love that this is where we're at in this conversation because I want to bring that to um your poop run job. Yeah. <laughs> how were sure. you the conduit of excitement for the I love that job so much. Should I should I talk about it or do you want to talk about it? All right. So why don't you tell us in 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 so that people can understand what this job was? (laughs) Oh, I transitioned that. Okay, great. Yeah. There's no there's no there's no subtle way to do that. Um, uh, Let's see. What was I doing? How old were you? Where were you? Were you in Chicago? I grew up in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago, and I was in Chicago at that time, and I got a degree. In photojournalism, I was a photojournalist. I was a photo editor of a paper. I was a stringer for the Sun Times and the uh, and the Chicago Tribune and wow. UPI and AP. And I and I would chase what we call chase ambulances, which is I couldn't afford a scanner, but every time I heard an ambulance, I'd get into my Volkswagen. I'd go, "Where's it going?" And, I'd <laughs> right. um, and then I'd take it over to the Tribune and see if they wanted to buy it. Uh, so I I got that job, and then when I when I when, I was an actor before I went to college, and then when I was in college, I decided to do that. And then when I left college, uh, I felt like I could I could slow down right now, can't I? Um, when I left college, uh, <laughs> we'll fix I it. Decided, for a minute, I was like, he's gonna slow down in his career at this point. What's I'm happening? He just got out. Like... <laughs> um, You're riding these dials pretty hard. <laughs> drinking, this is decaf. Uh, I learned that I have to drink decaf. So. Um, when I left college, I decided I want to go back to be an actor. I want to go back to be an actor. And so I really didn't pursue uh, photo photojournalism very much. Um, uh, so I got a job um, as a graphic artist at a printing shop in Chicago. And I was just so into theater at that time that I had um, 
that that job which i loved i loved that job. i was making 11 dollars an hour i was high in the hog my rent was 382 dollars a month and for a oh two-bedroom apartment in, in wrigleyville um and but, but at that time i was like how am i gonna pay that so i was um, making 11 dollars two years ago in casting oh so, uh, yeah uh, yeah right uh so i ended up um I'm going to say I got fired from that job because I, I, I just, my mind was somewhere else. Oh, they caught me using, it was a printing shop. They caught me make, using my graphics arts, you know, using all their equipment in order for me to push, uh, to make flyers for shows at improv shows and improv Olympic. And they should have like, supported that. And I should have supported that. And yeah. then they decided to fire me. So they fired me. And my friend Al Rose, whose friend uh, Jeff Weiss's parents, and I'm going to just keep naming names, yeah, uh, Sam, Sam and Inga, uh, his parents who were uh, who are uh, Holocaust survivors, uh, Sam and Inga, they owned a, um, it's such a long story. They I love owned it. A, uh, they owned a lab in, in Chicago's north, uh, north side. Um, and it was called Almar Mole clinical lab i don't know why that's the name other than it's a great name if they're like rosowski's going to come we need a great name so elmar <laughs> mole clinical lab and my job was uh it was a really great job I, they, they had a little car for me and i would uh i i would smoke cigarettes in the car and i would drive and listen to wxrt and i would pick up my friend richard label and what we would do is we i would have a list of um, clinics and hospitals to go to where they uh, they gave me <laughs> urine sample any anything that oozed out of a human mm -hmm. um, urine pee cum cough I don't think we did any sweat uh, saliva for sure all that and uh, blood and then, any blood, organs oh absolutely blood for sure that was the main one blood. organs so I would take it no organs that okay. I knew of. Uh -huh. No, no organs. I, any, I, what about like moles or anything like you know that was no, uh, biopsies? No, no, I don't. That was that was no. That was that a different group. Was, different clinic. That was somebody else's. It's a specialized carrier. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know we would look down at people like that. Oh, you're an organ <laughs> transporter. No, I, there was no we in that. Uh, so uh, there was also not only was there no we in that. There was no there no. There were no health precautions. There were no gloves, no masks. And you know when you go to Staples and you get those cardboard boxes for for files? Yeah. And the top of the cardboard box <laughs> is like this little rectangle that fits over the top. That's what, what we transported in. No coolers. It was just we put it in the lid of a file box. And I would – Jesus Christ, it's crazy. I haven't thought about this in a while. I would drive – I would drive around. And so we'd pick this stuff up and label and I and Richard, I'm picking my friend Richard, and we'd get high, we'd drive in the car, and then it's like, let's have lunch. And so there's duty oh, and cough and come and pee in the back seat. And it's like, we'd have lunch, and then we'd go back to, you know, and I'd drop him off at his place. He lived around Second City, and I'd go back, and we'd schmooze around. Uh, and I, I love that job. I love that job. I loved it because I could go to auditions and they wouldn't know and they wouldn't care. And I and now they're dead, so they don't know. But they were lovely fucking people. Uh, I love that job. Um, uh, uh, there was a guy that worked there. Uh, um, there's just so many stories here. There's a guy that worked there named Harry. And Harry had the job before I had the job and Harry had a stroke. Aww. So um, no, it's okay. He was fine. 
He was okay. all, he was fucking millions of years old, but he had a stroke. But he would come in every once in a while. So half of his face was like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, like that. yeah. Uh, so he would come in, and one day I came in, and he would come in because he had nothing to do. He was an old man; he had nothing to do. And he, he came in with this bag, and he's like, "I I got you a bag. I got you a bag of stuff." And I'm like, "What's in the bag, Harry?" Because I don't know, look around. And I'm like, "Barry, I got to Harry. Harry, it's underwear." He goes, "Yeah, I'm not using it anymore." I'm like, "What do you mean you're not oh using it anymore?" He said, I don't know, you, you, you know, I, I, it's clean, I'm, they're washed. And I'm like, you they're don't washed. give someone underwear. And they were tidy whities And, you know, no, a man doesn't even want to sleep. I don't want to sleep in a bed next to my brother. You know what I mean? Like, yep. and the idea of having somebody else, it's like, it's like renting a bathing suit. Right. Like, but I, I want to I want to appreciate Harry's gesture here for a second. What were you doing that made Harry think you needed used underwear? I have no idea. Harry's old job. How destitute did you look when you were you know, doing this? It, it could have been that he, it could have been. It's <laughs> a really good question. It could have been. It's like when I was driving. I would go through pairs of underwear all the time. <laughs> and if I'm like, if Dave's like me, he's going to want to have four or five pair of underwear in the trunk. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I tell I, you, I, nothing... I, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I was doing it wrong. Maybe it's like, maybe it's like, 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 like vomit, you know, or you smell vomit, it makes you vomit. And, you know, maybe he just shit his pants all day because <laughs> the car smelled like pants. shit. Or, but, or, or he just shit his pants all day because why not? Because he was on the verge of stroking out. But so it's that, and it could also be um, if you, I don't know, I'm, I'm on a limb on this one. I'm just, I'm spitballing. Sure. Uh, if you knew that you had extra underwear in the back uh -huh. and you're driving, oh, maybe this is it, and you're driving, you're like, I got to get that. Man, he was probably more fastidious about it than I. I got to get the blood back. Don't have time to find a restaurant, restroom in a restaurant. I'll just shit my pants and I got a pair of underwear in the trunk. <laughs> And I'll just pop that baby on. I love the idea that he was so on top of the job and like getting it done and like on time quickly that he'd rather shit his pants than pull over and, and, and use the bathroom. Whereas and you were like, I'm going to pull over to a restaurant. Have in lunch. Indiana. <laughs> I love his commitment to the job in general. And even when he wasn't working there anymore, he was coming, coming in yeah. and giving of himself. <laughs> you got to remember, you know, and, and, and I don't know if this still happens, but... Uh, I, I had a job at, uh, it was a great job. It was another job when I left. So when I graduated college, I had this degree in photojournalism. I know how cameras work and I know how darkrooms work and I needed a job. And so I got a job, um, uh, I got a job as a camera salesman uh, in uh, the Six Corners area of Chicago. Uh, and it's sort of like a, a, a writer who can't sell his novels selling pencils, you know? So I got mm. that job and, um, I, why am I saying, telling this story? Uh, I, I got that job. I love that job. It was just, a, it was a fantastic job and it allowed me, and again, it allowed me to do whatever it was that there was another reason I was telling this story and I can't remember. It allowed me to do, and I'm going to remember it. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. That's enough of them. Now back to us. Were you still doing photography at that time? Or were you because, acting? Um, well, no, I was doing, I was acting and I was doing photography because mm -hmm. I was working at the, I was working. And you know, when you guys, when you, I, I, there was another podcast that I did that was similar to this one, uh, but it wasn't as much fun. And, um, uh, <laughs> and, it, and it, 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 it was like, what jobs have you had that you haven't liked? And that's different than, than what you're doing. And, what, and, and it was really hard for me because I got to tell you, and I was thinking about this this morning, 
uh, before it came on. I haven't had a lot of crappy jobs. I mean, the shitty jobs, you want to say the poop run job is shitty, but that's only a pun. But it's, I, uh, somehow I, I, I lucked out. I've had a couple jobs. There was a job that I had. Uh, it, it was, it, I was still doing acting. I was 15 or 16 because I was doing theater back then, but it wasn't a survival job. It was just a job yeah. where there was, it was a, a bottle recycling plant on Western Avenue. And it was a friend of my dad's. My dad always had these kind of dicey jobs and, uh, it was, a, a, and they had a fire, <laughs> they had a fire in the back. And my job was to come in there in July and August, June, July, August, and September in Chicago, which is like, it's still fucking humid, and go yeah. into the back and shovel broken glass into a dumpster. Yeah. Mm. And it was like, and the guys were like, and it's like, why are you always so grumpy? It's like, why am I grumpy? I'm 16. I'm shoveling broken glass. I'm smelling like I just came out of the Chicago fire. And like, why am I grumpy? Like, why aren't you grumpy? Right, right. What's, you know? Uh, but I, I do want to say that that's the thing about what we talk about is I think as artists in general, we do have, um, we know that our goal isn't this job. So we treat every job that supports us as entertainment, as a resource absolutely. of information. We right. go into it looking for what we can like about it, what is sustainable about it, you know, and trying not to get fired from it. Because especially if it's good, like I worked at Nestle for almost 10 years in packaging and I was, they allowed me to go on auditions. They allowed me to go shoot stuff. You know, I was writing at the mm -hmm. desk while I worked and they were like, what are you working on? You know, there was never a time. And I, I can talk about bad stuff that did happen there, which we do on the show. Like, well, I had to deal with this or I had to deal with that. But overall, I think the thing with artists is we're just so appreciative of everything that we are able to do. And sometimes I think like, oh, is that because we have low self-esteem? Like all we know how to do really is art. So we're just so happy that someone will trust us with their work. I think for me, it's the other way around. It's this yeah. thing where I would look at it and I would go, oh, you poor fuckers. I mean, when I leave here, I go and I improvise with my friends. Or when I leave here, I go and take pictures. I know I was telling the story about about that. Uh, so, uh, and, and and I do all these things, and and it wasn't like me looking down my nose. I'm going. I very often that was my survive. That was my survival mentality was to go. Don't get hooked up into that. You're shoveling, you know, without a mask. You're shoveling <laughs> glass into a dumpster. You know, uh, the reason I was telling the story about the camera store was you asked, was I still was I still acting when I had that job? Yeah. So when I left, I was it was uh, 1982 in Chicago. And I don't know if you know much about theater in 1982 in Chicago, but it was just an amazing time. You know, Steppenwolf Theater was 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 cruising the organic, the remains. It was just, you know, Daly was dead. The first Daly was dead who stopped, who just didn't want art in in theater. Um, you know, you want Schubert stuff, but not like the crazy, awesome stuff that we used to do. Um, and so I got this job and I was able to audition and I was doing a show. I was doing a show called The Bacchae on Clark Street uh, um, at, a, at a, space, a place called, it was across the street from what, what ended up being the Annoyance Theater. Um, and it was Cabaret, Met, Cabaret Metro. And it was on the third floor there. But one of the things that I loved was the, the camera job. I was able to take the cameras out and do photography of the cameras, with the, do the photography. And I have, uh, and I came across it, and it was all slides using some of the best cameras there. And at that time, that was a Polish and a Latino neighborhood, what we 
what we called Politino town in, mm. in uh, later on in, in Second City. And uh, so I took pictures and maybe I'll, I'll send you the link to the, to the, to the pictures because the pictures yeah. of the people are phenomenal. Yeah, that would be great. So I was, but we're artists, and so we're it's like what you're saying. It's absolutely we're looking around, we're seeing things differently, we're being inspired by things differently. Yeah. You're holding on to these thoughts and going, "This too will pass." Oh yeah, and, you know. Yeah, so. and I mean, I you know, I, I know I certainly have had my day job. I, I think we've all printed flyers at our day jobs. We've all used our day jobs for the resources Shit, I was they offer. Acting resumes right before an audition. And I was like, nobody look, nobody look, you know, on the yeah. print. And they wouldn't have cared, but I was still so like, I gotta print a couple things out, use the cutter. <laughs> yeah. Oh for sure. I will I I would um I would take the urine samples and do urine samples for my friends. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Why not? Because everyone needs it. Why do they need it? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. Need, everyone needs clean pee for for sooner or later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the clean pee, it's like, it's cloudy. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, but yeah, you're right. You're right. We've all have taken, has there ever been a job? I don't know. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I don't. I don't think there's been a job where I haven't taken advantage in some way of something that isn't like that's not allowed. It wasn't like I killed anybody or stole a copy machine. Oh, and and but, it's not like this is exclusive to artists and day jobs. I mean, you know, I, right. I, I I I challenge you to find someone working in finance who isn't also you know making some personal calls and. Oh, you know, sure. <laughs> What's it like to have a nine to five job? I'm sorry, I you know I don't I look at that and I go, oh, what's it like to have a nine to five job? Like. I remember when I left Second City, uh, I left and um, the owner of Second City said something to me and uh, it just blew me away. It was like it was like the meanest thing anybody's ever said to me. And uh, it was just really mean. Yeah. And uh, and I, I remember thinking, I'm leaving. I will never work for another person again. God is my witness. I will be hired as a stringer or I will be hired you know, as an actor. But I am not going, I will do as much as I can to yeah. never work for another person again. Yeah. Well, when, and I feel when, lucky. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I, I think that's great. I think it's, um, <clears throat> we sort of did the same thing when we. We've done the same we've thing. We've done yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Once we uh, both left our corporate jobs, basically the same thing. It's like, you know, it's hard. You get to a point where you've done it for so, so long. And if you can manage to then work for yourself, it's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, it's I, not for everybody, but I, for artists. I, I, I also think that, that the tip of the iceberg has the iceberg underneath the water. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's not like you wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to quit my job. You wake up in the morning and you go, no, no. Yeah. All that other time where you go, what am I going to do? And suddenly this thought comes into your head and the thought is this, quit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you go, I, oh, what do I need to do? This is any epiphany that you have where you go, what do I need to do to make this happen? And, and, and everybody listening, and, and again, it's not something that you just wake up and you go, I'm going to do that. You have been cogitating this. And while you and I are having this conversation, thoughts are being put together of other things that are happening in your life. And then one day you'll be driving in your car and you'll stop at a light and you'll see an apple sign, you know, an apple mm -hmm. sign, not, you know, an apple sign. And you'll go, <laughs> I want to break up with my girlfriend. 
But nothing that it's like, how did that happen? You know, mm-hmm. not yeah. that I'm breaking up with my girlfriend because I adore my girlfriend and she's my best friend and I love her so much. But it's that epiphany that you have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get to be aware of it. Yeah. To be safe, stay away from the Apple store. Um, <laughs> but I cannot overemphasize the fact how, how it, there's got to be a word between blessed and lucky. Yeah. Um, because of, and I, it starts with privilege, I guess. I don't know. Maybe uh, fortunate? I don't know that it's, I, I don't know that that's it either, but it, that's part of it too. It's in the mix, that idea of um, I am doing what I'm doing because I was able to do what it is that brought me to do what it is that I'm doing right now. You know, that's such a Rosowski line, but it's it's that it feeling, <laughs> right? It really is. It's that, it's, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and other people, I look at other people and other people go, I can't do that. I won't be able to do that. It's like, I, 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 I get that. Financially, I get that. You know, my brother, I love him very much. He's a fantastic piano player. He's an awesome composer. He's a great artist. He's a fine artist. And he works for a nine to five. He loves his job. He's a graphic artist at his job. And, uh, that, and, he, and I think that he always wanted to do this other thing, but he didn't have that gene that said, um, dare to fail. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, I think we all have a sibling or a partner or a friend that is that I definitely have a sibling. You have a sibling like that too. I think that's important. And I think that that's okay too. You know, like everybody's not built the same. So there's, there's, you know, the days are long, but life is short, but there's enough day where everybody can like your brother can play piano at in the evening and do concerts if he wants, you know? Yeah. So, and that can be enough. That can be rewarding. And, you know, you get to a certain age where you're just like, wow, every little thing I've done accumulated to this and it feels good. Like, even if it's a small thing, you know, like teaching a class, impacting somebody else, because, you know, when you get to a certain point in your career, they're, what I notice more than not is people start teaching or wanting to coach or going back because it's inspiring to work with other people in your field. You know, you learn from them as much as they're learning from you and you're, you're sort of, you know, not stealing, but taking from each other energy exchange. It's an exchange, right? So I don't know. I got off. No, but, but you're, but you're, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and when you said you're getting, you know, you're getting your, I'm paraphrasing, but you're teaching, but you're learning. And one of the things about this pandemic is, first off, when it first happened, uh, my girlfriend, Laura, I I went, what am I going to do? Because I travel 220 days out of the year, 200 200 days out of the year, 220. I used that number because just coincidentally, three years in a row, I I traveled on the road 220 days out of the year. And I was like, I can't travel. I can't go. What am I going to do? What the fuck am I going to do? And she said, she said it was just really true. She said improv has always been something that 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 you're doing while these crises are going in your life, and you've never you because you're an improviser, because you're a teacher, an actor, a director. Everything you're doing, the crises in your life have occurred while you're doing improv. Mm-hmm. And so what's what I've learned is uh, when I. When I uh, asked my wife for a divorce, I had a class that next day, and maybe you know you were in my class. I had a class that that same day, and I had to come in, you know, 
ending a 14 yeah just having ended a 14 just having ended a 14 year marriage like i gotta go i can't talk I can't do that. yeah <laughs> uh, and when my mom died i was in orlando florida teaching a class you know uh it was a friday saturday sunday class and she died saturday morning and i came into class and i went um and i get very i get very emotional about it uh i said uh four hours ago my mom died and everybody you felt the energy of the room change and everybody leaned in and we we talked and people were grieving of their their own parents deaths and we had this improv thing where it's like what what's improv about improv is about expressing yourself being vulnerable being with a group of people that you can trust everybody taking care of each other you know in that way listening on a deep tissue level and it occurred to me because you know eventually it's like we got to get up we got to get up on our feet and work but i want to say i need you now more than you need me i need you to make me i need you to not make me feel needed but i need you to remind me that you need me and I'm here for one purpose and that to connect. And so whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's a nine to five job or it's a job that we really love, life happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and the most and for me the most important thing is like, are you gonna remember this moment? Are you present enough to remember this moment? Are you here enough to go, this is happening right now. So four years from now, I could go, yeah, I remember that. And we're not going to remember everything. But are you present in this moment, taking in this moment? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, because we do this show, I, we, I often find myself comparing my moments of, of, of work life and my moments of, of, theatrical and, and artistic life and, and I don't know why I compare them but I do it, well it's it's the context of the show um and it's something you just said really struck me because it's that it's that presence and when I look back at my own day jobs I you know I'm a drone and I'm good at being a drone I know how to turn this cerebral fucker off and just crank out whatever it is people need from me um, and get through those days and not even realize well, what happened today. Where was I? What did I do? Um, but it's really interesting to me and, 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 and quite the opposite, you know, when doing improv and doing theater, I, those, those moments I remember and they stick out so clearly, but going back to what you were describing in your various jobs, but right now I'm just thinking of the, uh, the poop run, uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is that even in your day job, and this is something that's that is so Rosowski, um, <laughs> you, the way you describe it, the joy that you the fe- that you felt in it, and and you, whether you were really doing the the nuts and bolts of the job or the ancillary fun that came with it, you were so present because that is your thing, and yeah. and like I'm almost like man. Fuck you for being the guy who gets to be so present. Well, let's, well, no, let's, let's be fair for one second. As a fellow very present person yes. and also a fellow like energy up here. Yes. Sometimes that is to a detriment. Sometimes, and a writer friend of mine said, and we're different because I'm a girl, you're a guy, so it could be different. But another writer friend said, um, 
every word, and maybe it's because I'm a writer, but every time somebody says something to me, I analyze every word in that sentence. And I feel like as a writer and an actor, like, yes, when I work a corporate job or a day job, I am analyzing every single thing every person is saying to me and I'm absorbing that energy and going, all right, so we've determined that that was not sarcasm. So was it <laughs> flat or was it meaningful? You know, like we are dissecting everything throughout the day and, and, and just absorbing it and then writing it all down later or using it for something later, but it's exhausting. It'd be nice uh, if it would turn it off. Uh, I, yeah, I, I should say that you left out one thing that you also are, and that's you're a teacher. Right, and, yeah. uh, and, and that's what a teacher does, is a teacher looks at everything that you were talking about, uh, looking, at your, looking at everything you're talking about, and you're going, okay, because really, isn't this what, what we're doing? Is I'm, I'm thinking, oh, that's how your brain works. Yeah. Oh, that's how your brain works. Yeah. That's how you figure that out. That's how your brain works. And you two are together because you love each other's brains. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I'm 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 looking at a student. I'm going, okay. You use this to, uh, you 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 use this one. Of, you use this tool to help you get through the day. Uh, yeah. You use this word to help you get through the day. You use whether it's good or bad or right or wrong. Yeah. You're using that word to get through the day. Uh, my my weasel words are kind of sort of somewhat where somebody says that, and I feel like when I hear that, because I am also I don't know that I'm analyzing or if I'm present to it, and yeah. I'm looking at thinking, oh, you're using those words and you're using those kind of sort of somewhat kind of sort of somewhat kind of sort of somewhat because you don't have confidence in yourself. Yeah, and you are afraid to express yourself in a way that expresses your true feeling about what you're doing and what you what you're doing and how you're living your life. And so you're also a mom. Uh, and and because you're a mom, you're like, like, I'm sorry, you can't turn it off. And I don't know that you want to turn it off. You know, it's it, for me, I'm looking at and people in my classes, um, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> I know everybody's cup of tea. Uh, and, and I get that, and I'm okay with that. I feel that and way what, too, but yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, because I got your money already. So I'm, every, you know, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. But what I am is, I hope that you that you leave my class with one thing: more of an awareness of what you're saying, doing, and how you're interacting. Yeah. And whether I ever see you again or not, that really doesn't matter, because really, my classes, because uh, that's what I do most of the time, is teach. My classes are. Yeah, they're about improvisation, but they're really about they're really there's a Buddhist there's a Buddhist feeling to it. Yeah. There's something very Buddhist about underneath. It's like being present, mindful, aware of what's going on. We can't change the past and we can't control the future. All that we can deal with is right now. And when you do that and you take that out of improvisation and you start going, wait a minute, this there the firewalls down. You know, what I'm learning in this improv class or the writing class or whatever it's going to be, what I'm learning in the improv class is affecting my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think, uh, I mean, listen, I, I, it, was, it was when I was studying with you and, and when, I, when I was in, uh, on, in the group, that's we were. Yeah. Um, our group and, called the group. Our group called the group and, and you were our director. And it was at that time that I you know, had my, my big, um, I guess they call it a quarter, quarter life crisis. I left my job, I sold my house, I got divorced. I moved, well, not the divorce was already underway, but I moved to the beach. I went to Europe, like I, I just said, fuck it to everything. Um, and that, 
seem to have worked out pretty well. But oh, yeah. yeah, you know. It, but but also, I want to say something too. Um, you introduced me to a person that opened my mind up to spirituality, Jen Winters. Yeah, and if it wasn't Jen. you, brought Jen into Second City. And Jen and I, you know, Jen is one of my dearest friends on the planet. And yeah. she is a, Jen is a, uh, she, she lives up in uh, Walla Walla now. Uh, she's, she's uh, grounded. She's a, she's a, she's a teacher. She's a writer. She's uh, a yoga instructor. But one of the things that she really brought to me and you brought her to me or you introduced her to me and I'm forever grateful to you is she brought me an awareness and a presentness and a wholeness and a positivity and, and, and just a brilliant, beautiful, she's just beautiful. And, yeah. um, and, uh, and so not only, and this has a lot to do with it too, it's not only who it is that we are, but it's our group that we have around us that yes. we inspire and they're inspiring us and you two inspire people and you have a podcast and people are listening to it. And, and my girlfriend reminded me of this today. She says, you're going to talk to people and people are going to listen to what the three of you have to say and you're going to inspire somebody. So you've got to get the hell out of bed and forget about what's going on in the world for a minute. Just get distracted. And I'm okay with that. But it is live your life. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that. Okay. I'm going to come back for a second, I listened to the ADD comedy podcast, which I Me love. Too. And the, um, I love your portraits now of people. It, like they're so good in the write-ups you do that I have to go follow all those people. Every time you post a portrait, <laughs> I think on Instagram, like I go follow that person now. Um, but what brought you, you know, specifically the Steve Carell one that sticks out in my head because you guys were talking about how his tra trajectory went. But what brought you to LA from Chicago? Were you ready to make a transition from theater to um, on camera work? Or uh, it's a really good question. And, and it's so funny because everything you're asking, uh, right now I am really, really close to putting a button on a book that I've been writing for five years. Yay! Yeah, and I'm really excited about it. It's called The Subversive's Guide to Improvisation. And it's- This is exciting. It's really exciting. It's really, it's really exciting. It's also uh, anybody who says that they've enjoyed writing their book didn't write their book. I've been writing. <laughs> listen, my novel. I'm waiting for my lit agent to get back this week with the rest of my edits before it goes to publishers. And I got to tell you, when people go, I love writing. I'm like, fuck yeah. It takes years. Then you're not doing it right. If you've loved every minute of writing, you are not doing it right. No, 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 no. And I have an editor that I work very closely with. I've hired an editor and we work Great. really closely. And if there's anybody making money on this book, it's my editor. Because she's right. like, you know, all my, all my inheritance that I got from my mom, it's like, Jim writing it on here. But anyway, <laughs> all of this has to do, like the like everything that you're just, so, so in this book, there's um, my, there's my philosophy, uh, there's, there's my philosophy methodology, um, exercises, um, philosophy methodology exercises, and, and something else. Oh, and bio. We'll be right back. And we're back. So the bio is the hardest one because it's like, who gives a fuck about what I've done? And I'm not looking for you to go, but Dave, it's like, oh my God, I don't care. So, uh, uh, but going into, it, I got to go. Okay, everything in my bio has to reflect in my book, in the other part of the book. It can't yeah. just be. And then I had a sandwich at Lums. It's going to be that. So everything that you're talking about. So it's the idea of uh, how did I get to? Because I really thought about. I had like, what do I want? So when I was at Second City, 
where, by the way, I never wanted to work there. I from Chicago. I never that was like I'm from there. That was just something that people did, and it was really a. It felt like everybody was goyish there, and it's like everybody's handsome and pretty, and I don't belong. So you know, cut two. I was in the train. I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you say when you were at Second City, do you mean in Chicago or do you mean Chicago? Okay, that's what we're talking about. So before, when I was yes, I'm sorry. Uh, I was at when I was at Second City in Chicago. uh, I was in the so so I did uh, I did Improv Olympics. So I studied with Del Close, and then Mm -hmm. I did. Uh, way back in the day, and then I went to Second City, and I went to the training center, and I loved it. And if it and, and I swear this is true, if it ended, so there's five sessions, five eight week courses, five eight week courses, and I felt like if it ended on the first course, I loved it because I got so much out of it. Well, you know, every time I was there, I was grateful for being there, and I loved it. And so at my, at my fourth level, they asked me to do audition for the tr- training center. I auditioned for the training center. I got into the training center. I'm sorry, I auditioned for the touring company. Yeah. I got into the touring company. I traveled with the touring company, and then they put me in a resident company, the the a, 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 a suburban resident company. And I worked with Corel, and I worked with Colbert, and I worked with other people. And then I went downtown to Chicago, and I worked in the ETC, and I had some great people that I worked with there. And then I went to Main Stage, and while I was on Main Stage, they had me direct the touring company, and I worked with really great great actors during that. And then I felt like. I did four, I did 10 reviews at Second City, and I felt like, I don't know what else I can do here. And I yeah. vowed when I got hired, and I think this is really an important thing for, for any job that you have, you go, if I should turn bitter, or if I call this work, it's time for me to quit. And I clearly remember saying to my roommate at the time, he goes, what are you doing tomorrow night? It's like, I got to go to work. And I was like, oh, that was the first time I said that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, time to go. It's time to go. So um, my girlfriend at the time who became my wife, her, this is such, I'm sorry, this is so long. My girlfriend girlfriend at the time, uh, uh, her sister's boyfriend had a flat in Glendale, a place in Glendale that that the, uh, this is during the, uh, this is during the, the housing bubble burst and mm. he had a condo that uh, was being foreclosed on. He goes, just come out here and move here. Uh, I'm not paying rent and we'll just wait for the sheriff to come and kick us out of my <laughs> foreclosed flat. And I'm like, that's great. And the sheriff never fucking came. Huh. He never came. I lived there a year and a half without paying rent. Uh, and wow. then, uh, I'm just going to call that lucky. There's no word in between. That's just lucky. No, no, it's really lucky. And at that time, <laughs> I was, I was, I had moved to LA and uh, I was married at the time. And my wife was still in Chicago. She had a job as a, a principal of an alternative uh, high school in Uptown. And so she couldn't leave. So I would travel Chicago, Chicago, LA, LA, Chicago. She finally moved to LA and we found an apartment right next door to the one that was being uh, foreclosed on that was $500 a month for a two-bedroom apartment in Glendale. I was like, okay. Wow. So, uh, so it was all financial. And I knew I couldn't, I didn't want to, I didn't have the money to go to New York. I, I yeah. didn't want to fucking struggle in New York. Yeah. Uh, I, I was the voice of uh, Dr. Sog, uh, Captain Crunch's arch nemesis for <laughs> a year. And I had a bunch no of money way. saved up. Yeah, I had a bunch of money saved up. And um uh, and so I just used that until that went away. Uh, and I did one job, talking about a shitty job. Uh, uh, Katie was working as a producer for Dick Clark, and I just had to, she goes, like, get fucking work, get work. So I was like, all right. So I thought, I'll do catering. 
I'll do fucking catering. So I found a place that did catering at the Skirball Center, which is mm-hmm. the Jewish center down in West, mm-hmm. West LA. And uh, I did one bar mitzvah. And I felt like if I do another bar mitzvah, I am going to turn into an anti Semite. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck it. It's like, slow mo, get me the hint. Why don't the latkes aren't call, are cold? Oh, it's God. Like, the latkes are too hot. It's like, oh, I hate you people. I hate my people. So it's like, fuck that. Fuck that. I hate that. I hated that job. Well, from one Jew to another, rich Jews and the rest of us are not the same. No. <laughs> no. And Beverly Hills Jews are not the same as the rest of the rich Jews. No, we, we can talk about that off, <laughs> off camera. <laughs> sure. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that, that's, what brought me to, that's what brought me to L.A. And, um, and for a long time in L.A., uh, so, you know, what we would do is we all get together and go to the farmer's market. All the Second City alumni was really lucky because mm-hmm. all the Second City alumni was there. Uh, George Went, Danny Breen, Mark Beltzman. Uh, it's like all these people that were there, you know, really. And so we'd get together on Tuesday mornings and, you know, smoke cigarettes in the farmer's market uh, over by the gumbo pot and just talk about shit. And I got to tell you, it saved my life. And then there was a Second City alumni jam on the um, at the Ashgrove on the pier in Santa Monica every Thursday night, and we'd get together, and it was huge, and people were there, and Dan Castellaneta, and I, I met Matt Granig there, and he hi- ended up hiring me and two other improvisers to um, to uh, write a, uh, a treatment of a movie that he had, right. uh, and that was really really great. But it's this thing where you go, keep talking, keep pursuing, keep. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it wasn't schmoozing because it's not like, hey, here's my card. It's more like, what's going on? How are you? What's going on? You look good. Did you lose weight? It's not a lie. Did you lose weight? Did you lose, did you lose weight? You know, how's your wife? What's going You know, like that sort of thing. Yeah. I remember you, but keep working. Yeah. Keaton, it's, it's, your, it's, it's your network, but you're networking. Yeah. Right. And, and it's also those people, and it's what I'm talking about, about you, you introducing me to Jen, like those yeah. people introduced me to other people who like, and, and through somebody else, I met, I met Phil Lamar, uh, who's mm-hmm. just a, a great actor. And I met Phil Lamar and I met all these other, I, I kind of knew Phil Lamar before, but I, I met all these other actors in improvisers who are doing fantastic work now. Yeah. Just fantastic work. And, and you know, they just had the SAG Awards, and I'm looking at the SAG Awards. I'm going, that's my friend, that's my friend, that's you my friend. You did that too. And, and here's the thing when you go, and tell me if this happened to you, because when you go, that's my friend, there was a time where I go, that's my friend. How does my stomach feel about that? Yeah. Uh, I, I recall now, that feeling. Now it's that's my friend. It's like, oh, that's my friend. Yeah. And look, she's sitting there. Well, I also had an experience. There was a shift where I think originally when I would go, that's my friend. Really, it's, oh, that's somebody I've met. That's somebody I know. And now as I've been here longer and more of my my peers, my colleagues are, are hitting it. Well, oh, that really, that is my friend. And I'm, right. I'm happy for them. Yeah. Well, I, I, I uh, the podcast that I listened to uh, was a woman who was on a sitcom and you didn't really know her all that well. And she- Are you talking worked... about Kelly? 
Kelly Schumann? Schumann yeah. Or Sarah yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and she had she had a really cool job. She was going to be an FBI agent. Yeah, and all yeah, that. from Chicago. Right? Yeah, right now, Kelly. Well, yeah, Kelly. But really now cool. she's my friend. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying that what I what I'm saying is this: when you were talking to her, and I remember you saying that to her. I remember you saying like, I don't really know you, and I'm just hunting you down and, and Instagram <laughs> and IMs and all that sort of stuff. Um, so she's your friend now. She's yeah. my friend now. I think she's fantastic. Me too. There's so many people that I like. You know, it's, it's you, when you move, you get to a certain point in your career where you move past being, I don't know, jealous or why not me or, you know, the, the FOMO, you, you finally get past it. It could be because I became a mom. I don't know. Um, it could be because I turned 40. I don't know. But it, it got to a point where I was like, where now I'm like, oh, I love seeing this person. I, I don't even think of like, oh, I would love to be on that. No, now it's like, oh, I love seeing that person. Oh, I want to write this person into this role and see this mm -hmm. get picked up for them. And that's what I do now. Like as, as I just write stories for other people and it brings me so much more joy than acting did. Like it, it, I'll start crying because I'm PMSing, I think. But I got, so you wrote that you got tired. You don't miss the Friday 11 a.m. call from your agent telling you you have an audition on La Brea. Yeah. The difference between us is that it's so much. It's because like you, I would get that call and I would freak the fuck out because I had to go change my clothes because the ones in my car weren't good enough. I had to make sure my makeup was okay. I needed the right bra because they wanted breasts to be shown at the time. And I don't even have breasts. So I had to make sure that I had like enough breasts and like enough makeup and enough hair product. And it was so like, it's not me that they wanted but I was going to go try to make it me that they'd want. And it's so demoralizing and it's not acting. It's, yeah. it's not acting, but you had to do it to act. The real work is every audition. And it was so, so when you wrote that, I just felt such a sense of relief of bonding with you because it was like, Oh God, oh, I, me get too. I get me it. Too. I totally get it. I totally, and, and, and then what happens? And then you do this audition on a Friday and it's like, and these are, <laughs> this is, like, I remember having an audition on a Friday and it was like, now you got to drive to CBS Radford and you got to find parking over there and you got to go there. And I like CBS Radford. I'm, yeah. I like walking onto a it's set. It's a good like, one. Oh, yeah, there's Mary Tyler Moore. They did the set over there and that's where yeah, they did it's it. It's a good like one. A Roseanne show. And it's like all that stuff. And then you do it and the line, and there's a bunch of people who look like you in the, in the waiting uh. room. And then everybody's going over this. And you just hear people do this. Like they get a piece of paper. I need a prop. Uh, they get a piece of paper and a piece of paper is this. And I need my prop glasses and nobody's seeing it because it's just you. And it's just going, yeah, here are your bags, Mr. Reynolds. <laughs> here are your bags Mr. Reynolds here are your bags no that's not what's written I don't want you to improvise <laughs> like Mr. Mr. Reynolds your bags it's like and then you do it and they're like great job and like they said great job oh and you're a cheese seal and then you drive home and Friday driving home from the valley and you drive home and you park and so what and you got Saturday and Sunday and what are you doing on Saturday and Sunday you're not having fun with your friends playing frisbee like I would do that but you're going did they call did they call and there was no fucking phone machine you know there's no that back yep. basically <laughs> Sally get me 4504 it was like that yeah. and you go and then your entire weekend's wasted for two fucking lines. Two lines. And then you, you got it. You know, it's like, oh, my God. 
But you're right. It's soul sucking. It's soul sucking. God bless the people that can fucking do it. Yeah, that's the thing. That's why now I'm like, oh no, I just want to write the things that these, that I want to see these people shine. But I think an important thing is that's not a consolation prize. It's not. It's the best thing ever to, to, to fully realize who you are and what brings you the joy. It's not that it's not the thing you thought it was going to be. It's like revolutionary. It changes your whole life. And it's, then you start it's wild. And yeah, you know, and you a lot of people need the opportunity to do it before they can realize it. You, you know? have to. Yeah. You have to. And then you have to fight so hard to get it. that opportunity. Right. And and like for sure. And, and and again, anybody listening to this, you know, here's the thing. What and it's exactly what you said. What you think it's going to be is not what it's going to be. This conversation that we're having right now, I knew it was going to be fun, but I didn't know it was going to be this. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I like mind, like I know what the two of you look like and all that. And I'm going, where is that going to be? Are they going to be sitting? I want to look at that, bad, bad, bad. But it's going to be what it's going to be, and then you get to go. The reality is this. Ain't that cool that I thought it was something else? Mm-hmm. Because the yeah. only source of suffering is non-acceptance. It's the mm. idea of, oh, I wanted it to look like this. It's like, eh, sorry, it doesn't look like that. Yeah. It doesn't look like that, doesn't taste like that, doesn't feel like that. There are only a few places on the planet where you go, this is what it looks like, and it really looks like that. Hawaii mm-hmm. and yeah. Ireland. <gasps> Whichever. Oh, Scotland. Oh, I and know. Scotland. I'm going to throw Scotland on there. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, I've, when I, when, uh, I went to... Um, I've taught in I've taught in Edinburgh about three or four times, and a couple. Of, one time I was like I went to um, Loch Ness, I went to Dundee and all that, and I took a trip there. And I was like, oh fuck! And then I I wanted to get Laura to come with me, and so the next time I went, like I took her, and it's like, oh, God, Edinburgh is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And you've been to Edinburgh? Yeah. I've not. I, I'm oh, ta- I'm just trying to take him this year. Oh, it's really great. It's really great. And it's and it's up there with the with Bath, the city Bath. Mm. I've never been to Bath in uh, in the UK. Mm. <sighs> we'll travel. Anyway, it's not what you it's not what you think. And it's an improv scene. You know, it's like if you think the improv scene is going to be this, I, you know, the moment you go, oh, I know what this scene's about. It's about this. You stop listening. The moment that you do that, you stop listening and you stop paying attention because now you've got something in your head and it has to do that it has to yeah. be that it has to work out that way it's like that's not fun that's not fun and the audience doesn't appreciate it the audience is uh is armchair improvising uh fuck the audience <laughs> honest to god honest to god i'm so sorry i'm one of those teachers that's like well what about the audience we're there to satisfy the audience like here's the thing the audience is this you get eight jews in a room you get 12 opinions that's just the way it works. <laughs> you know, and in the audience, everybody's going, I could do it better. They're laughing or they're not laughing. You have no idea what they're right. laughing. And here's the thing. They're not pros. You're the fucking pro. Yeah. So you got to make sure right. they're happy. Here's the thing. We got their money. And we didn't pull them off the street. They did research and they checked it out. So whatever it is, whoever it is that we are, that's who we are. I And I'm not one of those teachers like, you got to make sure that the audience feels satisfied. It's like, no. I got to make sure that you feel satisfied when we're doing yeah. the scene together. Because if we feel satisfied, then the audience, then that will take care of itself. That's yeah. brilliant. Audience just wants to make sure your improv scene matches your bio. And I'm sure that's going to be in his book <laughs> that we're all going to pre-order when it's available. <laughs> Get that book. Get that but, book. 
let me let me ask you this. So you're out here, you're networking within your group of people, and it's not networking, but it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? When did you transition into going, oh, I can teach? And I would uh, love to teach. I mean, at what point did teaching become a part of this? It's very interesting. Uh, um, I, I'm sure you know people like that, like this, and and these are the people that I that I when I, when I think about people who, when I think about the initial thought of what success looks like, I always you know one definition of success is uh, having a vision and fulfilling that vision, you know, uh, and I think that we all have a vision. It's just that sometimes we don't give ourselves permission to to acknowledge that vision or to say to give to go. Well, who am I to have a vision and want to get that vision? So mm -hmm. the people that I knew that had vision um, were everybody that you know were uh, <laughs> Jackie Hoffman. Jackie Hoffman was in Second City with me, uh, and uh, she you see her a lot on television. You'd see her face and you'd know who she's talking about. Uh, yeah. She always wanted to be a Broadway actor. So Jackie Hoffman opened Hairspray. She opened The Addams Family. She opened Xanadu. Uh, she's done I'm all on Broadway, mm -hmm. and that she became a Broadway actor. Uh, Steve Carell always wanted to be a movie star. Ever since I knew him, he wanted to be a movie star, and he went in that direction. Steve Colbert always wanted to be Steve Colbert, you know, and he went in that direction. And and I felt like I felt like I and Amy Sedaris didn't give a fuck about anybody, but having fun. And so she, that was her, that was her reason to talk or whatever that phrase is. So for me, I remember drawing, I remember drawing my dad, I remember the location, I don't know why. And I remember thinking to myself, and this, I was probably 12 or 13 and I was still acting at the time. And I remember it's such a weird thought. Somebody was asked, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I didn't have an answer. And then I was thinking about it. It's like, I want to make a difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know how that was going to manifest itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet when I joined, so when I had an opportunity to teach, which was, uh, I did theater in prisons for a year um, across the United States, Geese Theater Company for Corrections. And uh, they taught their actors how to teach. And so I taught that and it's like, here I am, you know, in this maximum security men's prison teaching and I'm changing people's lives. And when I left there, I was watching my teachers at Second City and I was going, they're, they're not teachers, they're shaman. You know, they're Sherpas of what it is that you want in your life. And I was looking at them and I was gleaning the way that they talk to each other, the way they connect with the actors, the way that they look at the process. And I'm going, I think I have that. I think I've got that. And then uh, they, and then I was in the touring company. Uh, then when I got one of the the, the resident companies, they didn't have a they didn't have a training center there. And I said, I want to build a training center. So I built the Second City uh, Northwest Training Center. Um, I built that, and it was like, oh, this is really fucking satisfying. Yeah. Uh, and I hired, you know, Carell was there, and Colbert taught there, and all that. And then I went downtown, and I started teaching there too. Um, and uh, my teaching, in, and this is really important, and as you know, my teaching informed my improv. My improv informed my teaching. And one of the things about um, one of the things about uh, this pandemic is I'm I'm not traveling anymore. So everything that I'm doing is online. And what the great thing about that is I'm able to work with the same people for two years in a row. And so I teach eleven classes a week. Wow. Um, 
Uh, and some of the students have me in different classes, uh, and I teach 11 classes a week, and I'm writing this book, and this book is being informed by the, the, the workshops that I'm doing, and that's why it's been taking me five years, because it's like, it's changing, so it's fungible, and it's moving, and so I realized, I realized a while ago, and I never, and my mom worked for the Chicago Teachers Union in Chicago, she was a clerk, and everybody that I, my family were teachers, and I felt like, you know, it's not one of these things that it's a grand profession because really it's all about what am I getting out of it? What am I getting out of it? It's like, yeah, I'm not doing it for society, uh, but I am doing it. I do want to make a difference in people's lives, but at the end of the day, I want to have a satisfying life for myself. Yeah, for myself. That's great. So it's about learning eloquence. How do I, how do I express this? So it's an ever changing, evolving way of communicating with people. That was a long answer. <laughs> it, was a, it was a brilliant answer. I think that that it pretty much sums it up. Yeah. I mean that's amazing, and I think um, I think I think it, you know, especially in the art in the world of art in any kind of form of art, mu music. If you're a musician, uh, if you're a writer, if you're a director, if you're an actor, you're always thinking. I think a lot of times, especially present day, you're thinking along terms of not what the audience thinks of you, but having an audience, having people watching what you do, looking at what you do. It's about putting eyes on you or your product. And in what you're doing and in what teaching has done is it's your audience are your students. And like in you're as much their audience as they are yours. And it's kind of beautiful. It's like, it's become exactly what you wanted, you know? Right. And it also affects like everything that you just said. And it also affects the way that I'm, I'm improvising because I yep. do have students who want to do a one-on-one -on -one coaching. And when I'm doing this one-on-one -on -one coaching, there's one woman that I work with in um, Joanne Groves that I work with in, um, she's in, in the UK. Uh, she's a trained actor and I've been her teacher and coach for a couple of years now. And I'm going to tell you the work that she and I are doing, I've been showing it to other students you know, the, 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 the improv scenes that we're doing, I'm showing it to other students. So my work with that, me teaching and working with Joe is teaching me how is I'm able, because we're online, I'm able to record it. I do record all my classes. And then I show a scene to somebody. I'm like, watch that move that she does right there. Watch what she does, right? Cause she's great. Watch what she does right there. Um, so I have not stopped evolving. And yeah, I have my days where it's like, I don't want to get out of bed, but that's why I have cats and coffee. Mm -hmm. um, the Dave Rosowski story. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, because it's that thing where you go get the fuck out of bed. Uh, Keep the cats away since, from the coffee. Right? I feel like we've taken advantage. Yes. We, we've, they, you've been so generous with your time. So generous. You're so wonderful. I'm so glad I had this opportunity because like I got left off on, um, you know, the, the trailer, and I really wanted to see the movie, and I was yeah. like, God damn it! I'm so pissed! But I could talk to you guys forever, so, there. Well, we can too. Go. Except school lets out soon. <laughs> we would like to thank our guest, David Rosowski. Make That Paper is Us, Jamie Parker-Stickle and Jason Bieber. Episodes mixed and edited by Jason Bieber. Our theme song is Monday Girl by Jordan Bieber. And Make That Paper is hosted on Anchor FM. If you like the show, do what all podcasts ask you to do. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. And talk about it on social media, at work, family gatherings, and at your favorite watering hole. And tune in next week for another great guest. Mm -hmm.